This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's one for the history books this week, as the Clarets go seven games unbeaten in the Premier League for the first time ever. This is the Known and Ever podcast. And welcome to the Known and Ever podcast. And excitingly, we've got another win. Um, just finished the Brighton game, Saturday night kickoff, half past five, away at Brighton, a game that was a bit of a funny one, really, because we thought we might expect to win it. Um, but also, Brighton were at home and, and probably expected to, to fall out of this rut that they were in for quite some time. But we did it. And oh my God, there is so much to talk about from that game. Um, predominantly, that this is two games now back to back and two penalties. What on earth is going on? We seem to have attracted the bus for philosophy with penalties we get one and that's it we're going to get one every single game now or certainly I'm going to expect one um controversy with penalties the other end one that massively went for us um Chris Wood on fire Ashley Barnes being his beautiful beautiful self um Jeff Hendrick getting away with all sorts again but more importantly just a generally really good performance 3-0 up at one point which was just fantastic um, a little bit nervy which is hilarious given that it, you know they got one back pretty quickly and, and took it to 3-1 and all of a sudden we all I think capitulated and decided that they were obviously going to equalise whereas you know in the cold light of day after a game you, you kind of realise that probably wasn't going to happen it it takes quite a lot for teams to come back from a 3-0 deficit to, to draw a game, let alone win it. So I think we were probably all panicking for nothing. But but hey, we're Burnley fans and we, we panic, don't we, for all of these uh, reasons because we've been through it too many times. Um, key moments for me from the game, Tom Heaton, oh my God, that guy has got to have got himself back up. Um, in Well, not just in contention in the England squad, but for me, he should be starting. I, I, he's got to be the, the most informed England goalkeeper that we've got at the moment. I think he's been terrific and a couple of those saves in the first half were just incredible. Um, another solid performance by the defence. Um, Dwight McNeil just continues to be an absolute shining star. Um, I'm already doing that Burnley fan thing where I'm absolutely quite convinced that we're not going to have him next season. Um, what else was... Um, I, I don't know. I guess just the general way we went about our business and, and you know, ignoring the the fact that all we're going to hear about now is, is how lucky Brighton were and how, you know, the referee was massively favouring us. Well, you know what? Given just how much has gone against us over the past few years and the decisions that we've been absolutely robbed of... I'm not in the slightest bit concerned that for once everything went our way. Um, we'll talk about this more when we get back into studio mode next week. It's going to be Tuesday, I think, that we record. So um, for now, let's just enjoy Saturday night with another Burnley victory. And there we have it, out of the cold, few days later, back in the studio. And I am delighted to say... We're at full team. The injuries are back. The Skyvers, Robbie, are back. And I have with me Statman Dave and Robbie. Gentlemen, good evening. Hiya. Good evening. Um, 
Robert, I'm I'm kind of relieved that you're here. Dave and I have been speculating over the past 55 episodes that you might have quit. You could say the same about Robbie Brady and Stephen DeFore as well. <laughs> that, well, as if as if this wasn't just as slick a link as it possibly was, let's start right there. Um, yes, indeed, Robbie Brady and Stephen DeFore and Good Munson and all the rest of our missing midfielders. Um, we've had, of course, a fantastic result this week away at Brighton and a seventh Premier League um, game has gone past since we last lost. Um, in fact, we are now unbeaten in 2019 in the Premier League. Um, and before we go on to, to talk about the game and that fantastic 3-1 victory in a little bit more depth, um, we <laughs> we were all a little bit perplexed at the, at the start of the game when we saw the the team news and the fact that we had not one single midfielder, wide man or central midfielder or any position in the middle of the park on the bench. Um, Robbie, that was one to uh, scratch our heads a little bit with, wasn't it? Yeah, in such a, a massive game as well, not to have the four Brady or Gunmanson like in your squad and those three are, you know, you're supposed to be three of your best players. It does get a little bit frustrating as a fan and I must admit, pre-match, I did sort of lose my head a little bit because you sort of look at the bench and you see four defenders on there and you're sort of thinking, well, if if we have to chase a game, who's going to go on and impact it? You've got Peter Crouch on there, but if there's no wide man to supply any crosses, then what's the point? It was indeed a big concern. Dave, we, we, we were all a little bit scratching our heads because in the in the midweek press conference, Darch had said that both Brady and Good Munson were available for selection. Um, and then all of a sudden, they were nowhere near the bench. And I think uh, somebody said to me that if you, if you look at the Clarets player interview after the game, he rather um, ominously said that we lost them yesterday. I'm not really sure whether we should be concerned about that. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where um, <laughs> I guess there is frustration, but the, the real reality of it is that the players weren't available on the Saturday. We don't know exactly what's gone in mid- on in midweek, but I think uh, even if Sean Dyche had known, I think Thursday, they'd attend to the press conferences two days before the, the Saturday games, usually on the Thursday, even if he had known 95 100% that the players were out on Thursday, he shouldn't necessarily be coming out in a press conference and, and saying that. Managers, I think, need to have a little bit of leeway to keep cards close to the chest. Otherwise, it can have a bearing on the game and on the uh, tactics of the opposition as well. So I'm going to defend the manager a little bit from uh, from that perspective. The reality of it, as we said, is that we did uh, we were short of midfielders on the bench. I guess you could argue that um, Stephen Ward could have played there or they got the option to swap Stephen Ward and uh, and Charlie Taylor. Um, Manchester United, we had young Josh Benson on the bench. We didn't have him available on uh, on Saturday. So the, there was a, a lack of options there. But in the end, it was irrelevant. We didn't actually use any substitutes at all. We kept all 11 players on the pitch for the entire 90 minutes. Yeah, we did. And, and I do wonder how much of that was down to Deitch not having the ability to swap a midfielder because he does usually tend to... Um, swap his one of his strikers around first, and then he swap a midfielder around. Well, if if Barnes and, and and Wood were playing just as well as they were together, and we were already you know three goals to the good, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of point in, in bringing a, a striker on. Just let them have the minutes and let them continue forming that partnership. And of course, he had no midfield options either. And on top of that, never ever changes his defence unless there is an injury. So it probably doesn't surprise me that for once he he didn't make any substitutions that game. Um, Robert, I guess this maybe does raise a few eyebrows as to whether or not we were more naive than we maybe thought we were in that transfer window and that we didn't get cover in midfield. We talked quite a lot about how the emergence of Dwight McNeil had maybe made the midfield less of a priority than it was. But to start a Premier League game with not one single uh, midfielder in the entire squad available as a substitute is pretty worrying. Yeah, there was a moment, in the, I think it was in the second half, where I think actually Westwood was holding his hamstring as well. So you don't know whether he just got through the game got through the rest of it, or whether it was just a slight knock. Um, but I've got to, I, I, I just want to add something on like Dwight McNeil, who, again, was I thought was outstanding. Um, it's amazing that he probably like nailed down his first team place in, what, December? And he's, to me, he's probably going to be our player of the year now. And to be, you know, to only start playing games what since Boxing Day, I think that's quite incredible. It absolutely, and it's pretty telling to say that if he does have any 
competition for player of the season, it will come from another player who only started playing for half the season as well, because at the moment it's very much between Tom Heaton and Dwight McNeil, um, which is just just a, a big sign as to how Burnley's fortunes and performances on the pitch have completely turned around since that Boxing Day defeat against Everton and a real low point for this team. That it's like it was like we never had the, the first half problems to this season that we did. Um, so before we look, go on to look at the actual game in a bit more depth, which I would say I thought was an absolutely fantastic performance and I'm, I'm really excited to, to go through it and analyse all the amazing stuff that happened. Um, Dave and I had a debate pre-game um, about just how fundamental this game was for Burnley's season. Um, and I'll let Dave come on and, and state his case in a minute. But essentially, my argument before the game was that this was a must-win game. It really was a must-win game. And the reasons for that were pretty straightforward in my eyes. Um, we need, I think, a minimum of four wins between now and the end of the season to um, get us Premier League safety. I think that that would give us about, I think that gives us 36 points, which I think will probably do it, albeit it might only be 17th place, but it will get us, it will get us up there. Now, if you look at the fixtures between now and the end of the season, there are only seven games that realistically we could classify as winnable ones if you take away the, the teams in the top six that's, pre- that's just under 60 percent of the remaining games that we have to win um now going into this game brighton were only three points above us um and fighting relegation themselves and in fact beating them has put us on the same points as them so to me i'm, I'm struggling to see how that wasn't a must-win game but but Dave, you seem to disagree with me and you didn't think it was a must-win game. Uh, no, I didn't. I think, first of all, you don't have must-win games in uh, in February. Um, secondly, you have to look at the uh, away records generally. You look at uh, teams' records away from home and Burnley, I think, average roughly one win in four away from home. That's not Premier League, that's across all away games. So it's it's damn difficult to get results away from home full stop. So... To say it's a must-win game, it, it was an important game, a pivotal game. Um, Brighton, we know, were only just above us. And the fact we have beaten them and gone level on points with them is brilliant. But prior, prior to the match, uh, to come out and say it's a must-win game in February is a, uh, a step too far, I think. I don't think it's a, um, a, a realistic representation of the situation. Um, it was certainly one we didn't want to lose. And going into the game... Um, with that mindset, but we we didn't really go in with that mindset. We went in with a positive mindset. We went out there. We defended well where we had to. Took our chances, and you know what what ended up was was fantastic that we got the three points. But to to classify it as a must win game, I think was um, uh, a little bit over the top. I completely agree with with the the mentality of the players before we get on there. But I think it's it's perhaps a little blinkered for us to not consider that exactly how close we are to the end of the season so there's only one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven there's 12 games left so counting Saturdays there are there were 13 games left now out of those remaining 13 fixtures the teams that were outside of the top six we've still well we've still got to play in those 13 games Spurs Liverpool Wolves Chelsea, City and Arsenal. So that's six out of that 13. So that's where we come to saying that we've only got seven. And of course, Dave, with the massive amount of respect, you're absolutely right in that you can't completely write those games off and say, well, there's no way we're ever going to win those games. So there's no way at all we're ever going to win them because, of course, we went to Chelsea last year and we won away from home. We got some fantastic results. We managed to get a point away at United. But the the prob if you play a game of probabilities, the likelihood is that we're probably not going to win those games. We might get some bonus draws, especially as it's so tight in the top six and there's a lot of fight between uh, top four places and also the title. So if you then look at that, that only gives us seven games. And out of those seven games that I'm taking outside the top six, uh, one of them's Newcastle away, which is pretty tough. Well, OK, I know you're saying that um, an away game shouldn't be categorised as, as must win. So therefore, our only chances to get these four wins are Palace at home, Leicester at home, and that's it. We're only playing Leicester and, and Palace at home. So if we need to get four wins, 
I, I guess all I'm explaining is that that's where I was categorising it as a must win because if you take out those top six sides and those seven winnable games, only two of them are at home. So if we don't categorise Brighton away, and I only say this, Dave, because they were relegation rivals as well. They were struggling and they're pretty much on free fall. I, I think you can't take a game in isolation. I think you, as, as a manager, you prepare, you go out there and you want to get a result on the day. But to classify it as a, a must win, um, that, that I think that gives the wrong um, impression in terms of uh, from, from the outside. I mean, in, inside, yes, you want to go out there, you want to win every game but you know that's not never going to happen across the season you've got to look at it across the the, the entire season the, the entire 38 games you're probably going to need maybe 10 11 wins to to survive across the whole season and we've given ourselves a, a we only got 12 points let's remember in the first 19 games so we've given ourselves a little bit of an uphill battle but you know we're, we're on a good run of form at the moment we've had four wins and three draws in the last seven premier league games after saturday we obviously had um, uh, one fewer win prior to that, but we've 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 made it difficult for ourselves in the early part of the season. There's no doubt in that, um, and it's got to the stage now where looking at the league table, Fulham, well, Huddersfield look well gone, Fulham are, are well adrift, and the way it's panned out with the other teams winning, who perhaps you weren't expecting to, and it could have been worse with um, uh, Newcastle slipping up and, and conceding late on. But it's looking more likely now. It's one out of six teams. Uh, for that third third place, more, more than likely, um, I think that that helps in some ways. In the, there's so many teams in there, it's not like you're just two or three teams fighting for that place. It's six teams, um, and when you look at it in terms of Burnley's uh, form in, uh, going into the new year and and beyond, we're in the middle of February now. Um, Burnley's form is better than any of those teams. I think there's only Manchester United. Um, are the only other team who are unbeaten in uh, 2019 to date, as well as Burnley? So that, that that's a, a fantastic positive, and you know we continued that on on Saturday. So credit to the team for for turning things around. And I think that's a hugely positive thing. So you, you can look at it two ways. You can say, oh, you know, we've only got 12 games left, and we've we've got all these teams to play. We're seven matches unbeaten. So I think that that's the positive to go in there in the next few few games and. Again, I think you, you, you're looking probably to get um, late March, April before you can say the must-win games. And again, that depends on the situation at that point. We, if we go on a bad run, then there will be times we're in there where you're saying, yes, there are must-win games. But I think to say that with 13 games to go, um, I think that was over the top. Yeah, you are, you, you are right in, in a lot of the things that you're saying, Dave. But like I said, I, wasn't, I was only looking at this from a sense of, I'm not looking at it with 13 games to go. I'm looking at it in that because of that awful run we've got at the end and the last four games of the season, we've effectively not got 13 games. We've effectively only got seven. Um, so I think that's where I was coming from. Um, we're obviously not going to reach an agreement between uh, Dave and I. I think we're both coming at this from completely polar polar ends apart. And both, both of us do agree that it was a, a really um, important performance and I think that the regardless of, of whether or not the fans thought it was must win or not the Clarets the, the actual first team they went out there expecting to win and they put in a fantastic performance um so feedback this week guys um see what you think do you do you have an opinions either way about whether or not this we're at that stage of the season not send us a a message and send us on twitter or send us an email and it'd be great to hear from you guys and see what you think um but moving sort of towards the actual game itself, Robbie, um, it was a bit of a mixed first half, I thought, in that the Clarets were pretty good, I thought, and I thought they, they perhaps gave a much better first half performance than a second half performance. But they had to rely on Tom Heaton to to get them out of trouble a little bit. Yeah, I've, we had this discussion last time I was on, actually, where we, we talked about the slow starts, and I thought, it, again, it took us about 10, 15 minutes to really settle into the game. Um, it just seems to take a big Tom Heaton save to kind of like wake us up a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the performance itself, I thought we were solid throughout. Um, I thought first half, after we did settle into the into the game, I thought it was probably one of our best first half performances of the season. And then the second half, we had to show something a little bit different, uh, especially when we went 2-0 two, two up. We had to be show a bit more resilience. And then uh, the crowd were up on the penalty and we make it three and, it was just it, to me. It was just a bit of a disappointment that we just couldn't keep a clean sheet. 
I think we just had to hang on that five minutes and then we made it a bit of a nervy ending when it really shouldn't have been that. But I thought individual performances, majority were all like 10 out of 10. Yeah, they were. Um, Dave, one of the, the things that's really impressed us, I guess, about recent games was this strike partnership that has formed between um, Wood and Barnes. And it was really, really prolific, I thought, on Saturday. In the first half, especially, they linked together really, really well. There was a fantastic chance around the quarter of an hour mark where Barnes was ridiculously unlucky and ended up hitting the bar twice. Um, And whilst, I guess, we were perhaps a little bit fortunate for Dunk's slip leading up to our first goal, that was an incredible pass from Barnes. And that that clinical finishing from Wood was just a joy to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean the uh, the the way he hit the ball, he uh, he struck it really well, and it was in an impossible position for the goalkeeper to save. Really, it was kind of about uh, a foot or two feet away from his head, and it's just you couldn't get your hands up there to save it in the time that was available. So um, it was a really good finish from uh, from Chris Wood into the roof of the net, and in that partnership between uh, um, Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes does seem to have flourished now. They were both a little bit stuttering, weren't really firing properly at the start of the season. Um, just I don't know whether it's confidence thing, what it, whatever it was, but it, they do seem to have gelled now and clicked, um, and they're playing really well together as a as a striking partnership. And I think going into the next game, you 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 see those two names on the team sheet. I think has been um, you know definite starters. I'm I'm not sure Sean Dash is going to want to tinker with that in the immediate future. No, I don't think he will either. Um... What did you think about um, some of the ridiculous criticism of Wood that we saw on social media after the game day, where there was genuinely a lot of Chris Wood haters out there suggesting that he perhaps wasn't that impressive for both of his goals because he just kicked the ball straight at the keeper and any better keeper would have actually saved them and we wouldn't have gone to nil. I was running out of ways to just roll my eyes at that kind of, of, of tweet. Uh, I didn't see it, to be fair, but, I mean, the, the guy scored two goals and uh, he's played really well. Um, it, I think you can't give him too much criticism for that. We've talked about that first goal. I thought it was a, a really good finish, took the ball really well and uh, struck it well, gave the keeper no chance. The second one... Yeah, I mean the keeper got a hand to it, but again it was struck really well low down. Um, you know, it took a deflection up and into the net off the goalkeeper's hand. But I thought it was another really good finish from uh, from Chris Wood. So not sure what more uh, people can expect him to do. Maybe they need him to score four goals in a game. I mean he could he could have uh, scored a hat trick. I mean we um, we were loath to change the uh, penalty taker after Ashley Barnes had scored in the last game. Um, and how strange is it to be talking about uh, two penalties in two games? A bit like. Uh, London buses coming along at uh, one. We should have had two in the last game, and uh, and we we cert- well we we certainly got the one we we deserved at uh, at Brighton as well. Yeah, we really did. We'll we'll have a look at that in the, in a little while. But before we move on to that, Dave, I don't know if you've got you've got any intel on this, but I was really surprised to see Barnes take it to deny Chris Wood the opportunity to actually get a hat trick. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like you say, he he kind of missed the sitter for for the just before the penalty was given anyway, but. It, is that unusual for him to not be given the opportunity to get his, his hat-trick? Or is it a case of, no, Ashley Barnes is the designated penalty taker and he takes it no matter what? I'm not sure what the system is. We've, we've, well, it's it's a strange thing to talk about a system for penalties. We haven't had them for that long, certainly in the uh, in the Premier League. Um, going back to the past when we did used to get penalties, um, it it's it was another one where it wasn't quite obvious who the penalty taker was and they've swapped it around. So we've had um Andre Gray taking penalties, remember him all the way back. Um Sam Vokes taking penalties, Ashley Barnes taking penalties. So we have had it sort of mix and match um and haven't always been in a situation where, oh yeah, you, you know, when you had a, a Graham Alexander in your team, you knew who was taking the penalty. These days it's not quite as clear cut. I think you have got some options in there for different players who can take them. But I think having done so well with the one um, in the previous game, um, it made sense for Ashley Barnes to take it. Yeah, from a sentimental point of view, you may have said, "Well, you know, let Chris Wood take it and uh, and, and try and get his hat trick." But <laughs> how many times do you see that happen and the uh, the player missed the penalty? So in the end, I think the right thing happened. Ashley Barnes took it, um, and we got three goals uh, into the into the lead and. Uh, even with Brighton getting one back, there wasn't any real way back into the game from them. Even with you know 15 minutes to go, I never really uh, 
we were discussing before the game, weren't we, about whether we were worried. I wasn't particularly worried even at uh, 3-1. <laughs> I was. <laughs> but that's because <laughs> I'm a ridiculously dramatic Burnley fan and if we even, if we give them possession in the seventh minute, I'm like, <gasps> get off the ball, get into this game. I'm, I'm terrible. I think the guys who sit around me at turf absolutely hate sitting around me because I'm ridiculously terrified. Um, Robbie, while we're talking about penalties, we may as well start in, in what was um, a, a, just a huge number of, of penalty debates throughout this game. I think at one point Brighton were perhaps appealing for everything. I saw a very funny tweet actually that somebody sent to us that said, um, oh, Sean Dyche has just um, put his arm up to get the linesman's attention on the on the, um, on the the sidelines and, and Brighton just claimed a penalty, which I thought was quite amusing. Um, the first one that I guess was, was the biggest one for debate was um, the handball against Dwight McNeil. Um, really difficult debate this one whether it was ball to hand or a handball and I think it's one of those for me where I've definitely seen them given and I've seen them given against us um, but it it kind of looked like there was no intention there that he didn't really know much about it Yeah, when I, obviously I watching the game live I was I, it wasn't a penalty for me but the more I see it the, his arm is out whether it's intentional or not you know, it's it's in an unnatural position, so you could argue that it is. But yeah, I've I've seen them given. I, I think if if it had been awarded, I think I'd probably use that. You know, it's you know it's it's one of them that probably wouldn't get given for us arguments. But yeah, I I think we may have got away with that one, but I think the other one is definitely one we that we definitely got away with. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Let's move on to it now because we'll do all the pe- all the penalties at once. Actually, there was another one before we move on to Hendricks handball. There was a penalty shout, Dave, against um, Ashley Barnes as well, which I also thought was a little bit harsh and a bit ambitious from Brighton to to do. It. I th- to me, there was only one real clear penalty against us. I think the other ones were were maybe quite um, plucky claims, but I don't really think the one against McNeil or Barnes was was a justifiable claim. I think it's just the Hendrick one for me. Yeah, I mean, the, you, you look at a, uh, that again, and I mean, the referee, again, only has uh, a second to decide. We have the benefit of the replays. I don't think there's any doubt, even as a uh, looking through claret-tinted spectacles, that the one with uh, uh, Jeff Hendrick was one we got away with. But having said that, how many times have there been uh, instances the other way around where uh, Burnley should have had a penalty and haven't? So, it's a little bit of retribution from uh, from that point of view. Very unlucky for uh, for Brighton, but hey ho, that's the way it goes. Get used to it, guys. Um, but you know, we went down the other end and uh, and we got a penalty of our own. So you know, we we can't complain too much about it when uh, we've been at the wrong end of these decisions for uh, for so long or so it seems. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, looking back on it in the cold light of day, uh, looking back on the replays, it's one that uh, we got away with. Brighton uh, should really have been awarded a penalty for that. And if they had got it and scored, then it might have been a different game. But it wasn't. And uh, we're, we're all really happy with uh, the, the way it went and, and the fact that Burnley um, you know, took advantage of it. I mean, they switched off a little bit, uh, Brighton, I think. And they switched off you know, appealing for it. And then they switched off as well, um, playing Ashley Barnes. Well, trying to play him offside, but obviously he can't be offside um, in his own half. Um, and he went through and did uh, did really well. Yeah, he really did. Um, I was a little bit dis- was a little bit disappointed that um, Wood did miss from that open net because, but, but I think I was all right because it, it looked pretty obvious to me that the referee was playing advantage and he was always going to blow up for the penalty on Barnes um, if Wood did miss it. Um, it was such it was such a quick turnaround. It, it was within a split second. I don't think the referee even had a chance to get his whistle out by the time Wood had missed it. Um, Robbie, one of the things, though, just before we just move on to um, all the factors in the game, Hendrick... I guess I'm feeling a little bit mixed towards him at the moment because in my view, since he's been covering that right side of midfield, I've been really impressed with his play and I think that's that position's been suiting him and he's really been able to, um, I guess, create opportunities and be really impactful on the game. But, but since the United game, that's two penalties that he's conceded. Um, two clear penalties is conceded in three games, one of which we were very lucky wasn't given. But it's, it can be a little bit careless in that box, don't you think? Yeah, but it wasn't given, so I'm not. I don't, I don't care anymore. But yeah, this he sort of reminds me about 
the the role that Scott Arfield played, I think he just gives us that little bit more balance in midfield because he sits a lot more narrow and he just allows him to drift inside and he he finds those little pockets and I just think it suits him really well because he's played that role for Republic of Ireland a few times under Martin O'Neill and I think I think I just think it's a role he's well suited to. It's a role that he knows he's where he's a bit disciplined and yeah, I think I think we're getting the best out of him finally. It's been a couple of years now. Um, I think fans are starting to see the, the, what he can offer us. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he won't be uh, anywhere near our own box between now and the end of the season. <laughs> well, if referees are going to start um, awarding us um, all the free passes to all the, the fouls and all the penalties that we want to in in, uh, in payback for everything that's gone against us, then I don't really can care. He can do what he wants. Um, Dave, I think... Obviously, we, we talked about at the beginning the um, the defensive display and the Clarets had to really, really um, put their back to the wall in that second half especially. Um, a couple of things. Number one, I was a little bit disappointed to see us sink so deep um, given that we'd taken a 3-0 lead. We really did invite some pressure. I know we do that. We do that every game. But surely when you're 3-0 up, that was once where we had an opportunity just to play some relaxed, free-flowing football and actually just get the ball away from our box. Or should we, you know, is that maybe naive to think that? Because even at 3-0 down, Brighton showed an incredible amount of spirit to try and get back into the game. Um, and as a result, we saw an incredible defensive display, not just from Tom Heaton. The two centre-hours, uh, me and Tarkovsky, were incredible. And we actually saw some balls cleared off the line by, by Balsy and from Hendrick as well. Yeah, I mean, particularly the one from uh, Hendrick as well was just before the half-time break, wasn't it? So that would have had a, a different reflection to the game if that one had sneaked in at the post where uh, Jeff Hendrick... But I think at, at that point, we had a, a player on either post. Uh, Phil Barsley was covering the other post. Uh, Jeff Hendrick was covering the left-hand post. He got that one away and thankfully we got to, uh, to half-time without conceding. So, I mean, we were thankful in that first half from two or three really good for, uh, saves from Tom Heaton. I think the first one was fairly... Uh, standard, but we had two really good saves after that. I think either side of the uh, the first goal, and uh, I mean we're just defending a lot better as a unit. I think it's it's hard to put your your finger on in terms of the differences between the first half of the season and the second, but it's it's almost like the Alamo spirit again with Burnley now from a defensive point of view. Um, we just seem to be able to uh, soak up the pressure to some extent, but also you know the the, the players are, are just seem so much more comfortable with the positions. It may be um, James Tarkovsky's injury as well. I mean, was, I think he was playing with an injury before he had the uh, the hernia operation. Um, since then, he's come back, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the date is when the uh, England squad's announced, but I'd be amazed not to see James Tarkovsky and uh, and Tom, uh, Tom Heaton in there, and who knows, maybe Ben Mee as well. Yeah, I've always been completely flabbergasted that Ben Mee's not been anywhere near that um, that starting lineup for England, or even just to to be able to get himself mentioned in the squad. Um, I think it was quite well. Tom Heaton's certainly been the man of the moment this week. He seems to be in most pundits' team of the week. He's been on a lot of radio shows, and he was on Mark Chapman's um, radio show on Five Live on Monday night, which I listened to. He came on as a guest, which was a really fascinating um, interview. And he was asked a lot of the same questions that we've been asking, you know, what has the difference been? Where have you found this form from? Is it all you? Um, and it was quite interesting because one of the questions he was asked was how easy it was to slot back into that back five, given just how long he'd been out of action for the whole of last season and pretty much half of this season. And it was really interesting to hear him say that it, it really wasn't because he knows how these defenders play. And it's actually a joy to play behind the likes of Ben Mee and James Tarkovsky, who will defend for their lives they'll put everything they'll put their heads on the line to be and, and block everything to stop the ball you know getting to the keeper and, it, and it, to hear him talk about how much of a pleasure it was to play behind those by those defenders that's just I never got that with Joe Hart and I never got that he understood those defenders and that they played as a unit it felt like it was the Joe Hart show a little bit um, and everybody else was just there to, to, to work around him. Um, so it's, I think it's certainly been um, a, a critical factor in the upturn and the clean sheets that we are keeping. Um, Robbie, Dave mentioned earlier about the slight nervousness when we did um, concede the goal that I was laughing about, and obviously Dave was, was his usual epitome of calm that he always is. Um, Dave's very much my calm and influence. I go to him when I need somebody to bring me down a few decibels um but I think you and I talked about as well um just the 
disappointment that maybe we, we should have kept a clean sheet. Um, Rachel Brown was on the uh, BT coverage, and obviously it was a, again it was live on TV. And, and being an ex England goalkeeper, she was giving some quite insightful analysis to to goalkeepers. Um, she did think that maybe his positioning could have been better for that goal that they scored. Is that harsh? Yeah, possibly. I think I have to, have to, to criticise him on something where he, in the last few weeks, he's probably been in some really good form. It is probably a little bit harsh, but yeah, I've, I've, I thought the BT coverage was actually really good. Um, yeah, they did some really good, insightful stuff on Tom Heat, and it sort of just summed up how we've how we've been far more resilient than maybe the what we what we saw in twenty eighteen. Um, yeah, but I think I think that. Just having just Tom Heaton back between the sticks, it's just I, I sort of agree where I think I just think everyone just knows how everyone operates, everyone knows the roles and who's going to go press, and I just think everyone just seems far more relaxed than being able to see a game out now. Yeah, we definitely seem to have that discipline there, don't we? Um, oh, I guess the final thing to talk about the game, Dave, you have some new history, you have a new stat. First time in Premier League history that this side has gone seven no, games no, unbeaten. No, 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 no. Oh, go no. ahead, go ahead. Well, you, football existed before 1992, Natalie. Ah. <laughs> oh, it didn't. Oh, no, it no, didn't. I, was, <laughs> I was very clear to say in Premier League history, well, yes, not in yes, top but, flight history before, I, before I, we get I, on this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tweeted on uh, on Saturday night just to, to make, uh, well, not that anyone, anyone's going to read, anyone in any position is going to read what I tweet out. But it was interesting after I'd mentioned that um, I didn't want to see any tweets about uh, Premier League records. Uh, the BBC and I think Sporting Life and then also the Premier League themselves had tweeted that it was Burnley's best run in the top flight since 1975, which was um, quite incredible. The Premier League themselves have come wow. out and said that rather than being a Premier League record. So they were one better than your intro to this, which I was going to uh, definitely pick you up on. And uh, have Oh, really? That. What did I say? Well, you, you said about it being a Premier League, an all-time Premier League record. For us, it is. Yes. Yeah, but the, the, that's what I'm saying. The, the top flight football began before 1990. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I thought, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to say that I started this podcast by saying it's an all-time top flight record. I'm pretty sure I didn't do no, that. No, no. no. I, I, all joking aside, and I love, I love how Dave gets the rage about this about pre and post Premier League. Um, there are, there is a set of records about from the established. Premier League as opposed to top flight generally so yes you are right of course we've had this run before and of course we've done things prior to the Premier League started but you can't ignore the fact I guess that the new formed Premier League and modern football as it exists is a very different creature to the one that existed pre-Sky taking over the entire world Um, so I think if we take in isolation the fact that um this modern era of Premier League football is getting harder and harder for teams outside those top six to exist in, then I'm still pretty proud of the fact that it's the first time that Burnley have gone, um, have got a, a new Premier League record, regardless of, of all of our achievements before, which they don't negate that. Um, I still think that, especially given the difficulties we've had this season, I think that's a really impressive um, record to achieve, especially this season. Well, to go seven matches un- unbeaten is uh, at any times impressive. Um, we've obviously done it for much longer in uh, in other divisions uh, relatively recently, but to do it back in the top flight, um, yeah, I mean, considering what where we were um, uh, on Boxing Day, halfway through the season, nineteen games played and twelve points. If someone had said at that point that you're going to go seven games uh, undefeated in the in the Premier League after that, you'd have uh, uh, you'd have been delighted. So to be where we are, it's been a real turnaround and uh, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, definitely. Feels like a long time ago, that game on Boxing Day, doesn't it, Dave? Feels like it was a different team. It it, it does, yeah. I mean, it's, it, um, you know, coming off on Boxing Day and the the, you know, the, the nature of the defeat and the scoreline, it, was, uh, it, it wasn't a happy place to be for Burnley fans. And we obviously covered it when we did the first podcast, uh, podcast back after Christmas. Um, but since then, you know, we've seen some really, really positive performances from Burnley um, and it's a much happier place to be. We're not out of the woods yet, but we're giving ourselves a, a really good chance. Yeah, we really have. Um, Robbie, a quick one before we move on to preview Spurs, which is going to happen after the break for the FA Cup 
Um, fifth round? Yes, fifth round. Um, a lot of Burnley fans are doing that really Burnley fan thing to do, which includes me, I am guilty of this, in already fearing that Dwight McNeil will not be with us next season. Um, that pass for that goal, that third, second goal, was just sublime. And he is just crazy, crazy good. Yeah, it's amazing that he wasn't brought in sooner. Um, I think he's been pivotal to us turning our form around. But yeah, just he just seems to glide a, a, along the surface, doesn't he? I think he just seems he he plays with that nature where when there is a little ricochet with a defender, he'll get that stroke of luck and he'll manage to keep possession. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday. And when he slipped in Chris Wood, you you just knew it was going to be two nil. Yeah, you really did. Um, okay, well, let's leave that Brighton game then. Um, a fantastic result, a fantastic performance. Slightly frustrating, if we're going to say anything, that we've gone seven games unbeaten and we we, were only, we started the game on Saturday still in the relegation zone. But we're starting to put a little bit of daylight between us and that bottom um, three now. I think we are... Are we three points clear? Dave, jump in, please help. I don't have a can, but we're, uh, we're we're getting away from it now. I mean, it's, we're certainly on the right side of it, even with those six teams. Yeah, um, we are level three. points with Palace and um, uh, Palace and Brighton now, aren't we, on 27. And we've yes, gone ahead we are. more Correct. than a point a game for the first time. In, in yeah, we're, we're three points clear, the bottom three. Um, and I think we would have been, um, I guess, through, well, Newcastle had a fantastic result last night, albeit they were very unlucky towards the end to, to well, not unlucky, but they, they couldn't hold out to get the full three points um, against Wolves last night. So, you know, it's it's starting to look like it could be one from Newcastle, Cardiff, Southampton. But again, I guess that's on that caveat of we have got a really tough run in, so we need to get some more points on the board a bit earlier than leaving it to the end of the season. But it's all looking pretty rosy. Um, Dave, are you going to tell us that our unbeaten run is going to come to an end against Spurs or is it going to be eight? Talk us through some head-to-head on Spurs. It's going to be tough, as we know, any games that we play against the um, uh, the sides, the, the so-called big six, are all tough games. And we've had a, a couple of really tough ones against uh, Tottenham at home in the last two Premier League games we played against. And we were uh, very much outplayed uh, last season when we played them just before Christmas. Um, beaten three nil and, and and soundly beaten that game, um, and the previous season we suffered another two nil win, uh, two nil defeat um, as well. In fact, uh, Sean Dyche hasn't won any of the four games uh, at Turf Moor that we've played against Tottenham. Uh, we've had two defeats and two draws. So the two defeats we've just mentioned, um, and then the two before that. One was a, a Premier League game. There was a nil nil draw that we had in April 2015. Um, and then there was also an FA Cup game as well. We played them in um, January of 2015. Uh, we had a 1-1 draw and uh, Sam Bokes scored in that game. I think that was a, was it a Monday night one. Yeah, it was, yeah. Rightly. Um, um, and we, we, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best of games. We, we managed a 1-1 draw and then we, we lost down at... Uh, at White Hart Lane in the uh, in the replay, but before that we've had some some better times, some better results against uh, Tottenham. Uh, we had a, a four two win, one of our biggest wins in the uh, the Premier League was the last game of the nineteen uh, the twenty oh nine twenty ten season. Um, we somehow managed to come back from behind and we we won four two. Um, that was our last game. We had um, uh, Wade Elliott, uh, Jack Cork was actually playing on loan. Back then, if you remember, uh, Martin Patterson uh, also scored for uh, for Burnley uh, in that game as well. So that was uh, again. It was it was after the Lord May- Lord Mayor show. It was too late. Stephen Thompson had got the fourth goal as well. Um, it was all far too late. Burnley were already relegated, but it was a uh, a win at the end of the season against Spurs. And then the game prior to that, I've got to go back uh, uh, the season uh, before uh, two thousand eight two thousand nine. Um, we had the small matter of uh, a semi-final. We got to the semi-final of the uh, of the League Cup, uh, Carling Cup as it was then, and a uh, heartbreaking game. We were 4-1 down from the uh, the first leg at White Hart Lane. Looked like we had no chance. Um, got back into the game, somehow got it back to uh, 3-0 in the second leg, 4 uh, all on aggregate. And then this stupid rule from the uh, Carling Cup uh, uh, kicked in. 
um, and away goals didn't count until after extra time. Uh, they've changed it for this season, which uh, Spurs fans were bemoaning the fact, but it actually helped them out this time because uh, Pavlichenko scored or scored twice in extra time um, and sent Tottenham through. But that was kind of the catalyst for Burnley's uh, promotion to the Premier League, the disappointment of not getting to Wembley in the Car- in the Carling Cup. We went on and we got through to the fi- final of the uh, playoff playoff final at Wembley, um, and obviously beat Sheffield United one nil to go through. So that's um, one that well, it's not not going back too many years. That's going back to uh, uh, to two thousand and nine. In fact, the anniversary of that's just come round. We've just had that uh, ten years since that match. It seems to have uh, gone by in the blink of an eye. But um, that that was just over ten years ago. I mean, going back before that, there's obviously a lot of games between the two sides. We've had one or two cup games in more recent years, but it's you've got to go back to sort of the uh, 60s and 70s. Burnley had a decent record, a lot of draws in there, but not too many defeats against Spurs. If you look at the, the games right through from uh, the early 60s through to, um, yeah, going through to the mid-70s, Burnley had only lost one game in, no, two games in there. So the, there's there's a decent record that Burnley had against, particularly at Turf Moor, against uh, Tottenham. And we've not really shown that in recent years with, with four matches without a win. Um, so we hope they're going to put that right. We play them uh, a week on Saturday. God, how has it been 10 years since that Colin Cup semi? That makes me feel old. It has, hasn't it? I'm still not over that result. No, I'm not. I, I, had, to, I, had, to, I came out of the game. I, I, I couldn't drive home. I just drove to a car park and just kind of sat there for... 20 minutes to calm down. Really? Is that yeah. <laughs> You've no, never told me that before. No. That's brilliant. Oh, poor Dave. I've got also all the emotions right now for you, Dave. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, God, poor Statman Dave sat in a car park. It looks like, oh, my God, you poor thing. Um, thanks for that. that that's really useful. And, uh, and um, I always I always enjoy looking at um, games against, like, the, the big teams the big six games especially ones who we've played historically like you say pre-premier league when um you know there's been some fantastic results historically for us it always makes me excited um robbie ignoring the um current premier league form although you know we've not managed to win but it's two two wins two draws for Deitch um at spurs uh with spurs sorry what's your gut telling you this is a side that's absolutely brimming with confidence at the moment and we're at home I'm not writing off this Claret side at home against Spurs. I know it's going to be hard and everything tells me that we're going to probably lose. But I've just got this feeling that this might be our time. Yeah, I think we were playing with some confidence at the moment. I think if we can you know, go at Spurs with the right mentality, then I actually do actually fancy us to maybe get a point at least. Um, I'm not sure whether Harry Kane's back for them because um, they've got an FA Cup break as well because they got that side against Palace. So I'm not sure if he's back fit, but if they start with Lorente up front, then I'll fancy us even more. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I did actually see something on, on Sky where Pochettino gave a press release that said that um, Harry, Harry Kane was coming along nicely and he's scheduled to make his return away at Burnley. I was just like, of course he is. Of course he is. Why wouldn't he make his return against us? Um, Dave, again, putting your head-to-head stats to one side, what's your gut telling you about this game? Um, I think we've got to go into it the positive frame of mind. I think the the run that we're on, um, you know, they, they, they aren't easy games. <laughs> we know anything you get against uh, these these sides at the top, uh, they're really difficult games to play. And you know, we we have seen it though. We've we've done it. We've we've beaten Manchester City. We've beaten uh, Liverpool at Turf Moor. Um, you know, we've got uh, points against Manchester United as well. Uh, Arsenal less so if we've always struggled against them. But if you look at the sides who we do still have to play at Turf Moor, um, we've still got, um, I think, Arsenal to come, haven't we? We've got Tottenham, obviously. And I think we've got Manchester City to come. Out of those three, maybe Tottenham, not sure whether Kane's going to be back or not, might be a good time to play them. Yeah, let's see if we can continue that run. If let's make it eight. I'm, I'm, I haven't checked back, actually, for the uh, for the eight. I'll, I'll do that sometime before we, uh, before we play Tottenham. <laughs> 
Yeah, that'd be great. And then we can we can stick that on social media so people can have a look and see when the last time we did that. Um, I don't know how I feel about the, the game. Like I said, I'm feeling confident in a sense that this team at the moment just looks like it could plough through anybody. Um, but I'm also realistically realistic enough to know what the challenges are of facing a top six side. And I just don't think it helps us that Spurs are an outsider for the title at the moment. That's causing me some headaches. Um, but you just never know. You never know. Um, as long as, for me, we don't, if we do end up losing, it's not a hammering. As long as they perform well and they maintain that discipline and they keep that shape going, um, then at least then when we come on to play the next game, they won't have, have lost completely lost momentum um, and won't have um, maybe given themselves a mountain to climb. Um, but I certainly look forward to it and we'll see what we can do. And I think that's probably all we've got time for this week. We've crammed a lot in there. We were very fortunate in that We've had two games back-to-back where there's been an awful lot of talking points and lots of things to discuss. Um, I, I We are in a great position in that we've fought ourselves out of that bottom three. There's still a long way to go. Uh, we can't afford to take our eye off the ball at any point now between the end of the season. We, you know, we've only got 12 games left, so we, we have to just make sure we maximise as much as we can. But I'm feeling a lot more confident than I did ha- at the halfway point, and I just feel like this Burnley team's back and... Whatever happens now, I'll be immensely proud of how they've played the second half of the season. Um, next week, as Dave mentioned, we are off because there is a um, FA Cup round of games that we are not involved in. Thanks, FA Cup gods, City away again. Um, so it's a good chance for our squad to think they're on a warm weather break somewhere. So it'd be a good chance for them to get um, some rest, get some recuperation and maybe try and find all of our missing midfielders and bring them back into the fold. That would be lovely. Um, we haven't yet decided whether there's going to be a podcast next week. We're either going to do um, a special get one of our fantastic guests we've got lined up on and give us something that's not immediately linked to a game, but maybe just a chance to have a, a wider chat with somebody. Um, but if not, we're going to have the week off, but we will let you know on social media when you can expect the next episode. Um, thanks as ever go to my wonderful, wonderful colleagues, Dave and Robert, who have been here with me this evening to analyse that game. Um, I always look forward to, to our weekly chats with them. So it's great to have them on. Um, thanks to Matt, our producer, who edits this. And um, you guys want know this because this is the finished article but there's quite a lot of production notes for Matt this week because I appeared to just lose the ability to string a coherent sentence together and I was all over the place so thanks Matt um but thanks as ever go to you for downloading and listening to this podcast your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you um that's it for us now we'll either see you in a week or two weeks um I've been Natalie Bromley this has been the Known and Never podcast until next time The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.